You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to this episode of Critical Mass Business Talk Show. I am Rick Franzi and ooh, do we have a good one for you today. (laughs) Carrie Ransom, who is the founder of Operate, is our guest. We've got a lot to talk about, but Carrie, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Rick. Great to see you. And uh, it's been a while. So excited to be here. Yeah. And you are are such a moving target, you know, looking at your LinkedIn profile and all the different investments and activities that you're involved in. It's just exciting. But I'd like to focus today, at least in the beginning, on your venture operate. You're the founder of it. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, what was the motivation for you to start this business? So I, you know, I kind of think of Operate as 20, 25 years in the making, to be honest. And it's relevant now, in my mind, be, for, for a couple of reasons. But, you know, having been involved in building, leading, buying, selling, you know, doing the startup thing for most of my career, uh, as I often tell founders, I've had every job. And I, I multiple times, and you know, I, I feel like I have so much to offer that operate is this opportunity for me to now do it in a parallel manner as opposed to serially being involved in one business at a time. And it, it's really it for me, it's an impact opportunity. I can impact ideally positively. I hopefully you have to ask the founders that we work with, but ideally, we are positively impacting multiple companies at the same time. And, you know, we're fortunate now we're, we're up to 20 companies in the last 18 months and operate. And we feel like we're having a meaningful, positive, you know, we sometimes talk about force multiplication, but we're, we're able to provide this very custom involvement and support of each of these companies in the areas where they need it. And if we can have multiple of these all moving forward positively, at the same time, we just feel like that serves the entire startup community more effectively than just being involved in one. So for the past 18 months, two years, you've been doing Operate Helping. I'm wondering, what have you learned about this role and the way you're doing it now since you started the mm. business? I I would say, you know, the hardest part is finding the type of people to be and operate who have the comfort with sort of the the gaps and edges and uncertainty that exists in these early stage companies. I, you know, I would look at my team and say, our team is full of FIOs, figure it outs, and the type of people who can identify problems and solve problems and do it proactively and that's a unique group of people. And that can mean going in really deep and fixing something and then pulling back out and being okay with that. That can mean working on a system that we need to take across a number of companies. So finding the kind of people who that is energizing and exciting to has probably been the biggest challenge and the learning and something that then we have to make available to our companies and even helping them understand the value of that is sometimes a challenge. So 
we know the need is out there and I see it every day. The need is there. Uh, and so we aren't designing this to be this hugely scalable thing, but we have, you know, we've gotten to much more uh, of a company base than I even anticipated we'd get to. I thought we might be at four or five at this point. And the fact that we've gotten to as many as we have uh, makes me excited that people also in the marketplace see the value in having this kind of partnership. So, so I'm going to ask you to sort of describe what it is Operate mm -hmm. does for these early sure. stage. But before we do that, have you had any minor or major pivots in the business model over the past 18 months? Good question. Yeah, I, I would say we've had minor pivots. Um, we originally felt like, you know, a core part of Operate was also going to be uh, a community outside of the founder. So if you think about people that have expertise in various areas working in startups, and we were starting to, you know, some funds or other groups will have advisor network or something like that. And we, we have them, we've kept it informal. We thought initially we would more formalize that. And we thought that we'd have also almost uh, a membership opportunity for people to kind of join that community. We COVID really caused us, we were starting to have events and other things that COVID really, I would say, caused us to pivot from that because we started to realize, you know what, it's a distraction at this point. Maybe we'll come back to that later as our ecosystem gets bigger. But we really know the value we can create in the world is through helping companies grow, grow faster, be more successful. That will be the economic return that we'll realize as being part of that. And then we can reinvest that back into the, the community and the, the ecosystem that we're building. And so we just sort of said, let's, let's put that to the side. So I, I'd call that a minor pivot. We, we just, it helped us clarify that our best place in the world, and I'll use that maybe to transition into how we operate, Sure. Uh, is our best place in the world is to meet founders where they are, understand who they are, what they're trying to do, and then determine on both sides, are these the kind of founders solving the right kind of problem that we can get excited about and feel like we can help force multiply by being involved? And do they, on their side, see having us involved is a unfair advantage that they're now going to have going out and to compete in the marketplace. And if both sides see that, then I what I see us typically doing is moving forward. And moving forward typically looks like putting a, a joint plan in place. And that typically will look like a capital plan and a resource plan. And so that, it, you know, we have a fund and we'll invest into the company and say, look, we're gonna put our money where our mouth is and we're going to buy a piece of your company and own a piece of this and we're gonna be on the journey with you. And we'll, we can do that by ourselves. We can do that with others that we might bring uh, to the table. And that's part of that capital plan. And we can serve as, uh, as an aid to them. And once we decide to join, we obviously are really motivated to help them succeed on that. And if they need more capital than we can provide, we'll go help them bring in more. And we've done that a number of times. And then on the resource plan, we'll look at that and say, okay, what do we jointly determine you need from going and finding talent, going and finding partners, going and finding people to help get work done to move forward. And then what do we provide from the operate team to do that? 
And what do you need to go out into the market and potentially source? And we may be able to help you with that. And often that's where the capital plays in. If it's a really unique capability that we don't necessarily have, or we don't have expertise in, but we can go help you find that in the market, then that's obviously one of the reasons why you have money available in the business to go, go do that. And so we will put that plan together. And our uniqueness there is we want to put that plan in place to earn additional ownership in the business. And the idea there is if we believe in this and we believe by being involved, we're going to greatly increase the value, then we should want to own uh, a significant piece of this company in partnership with you. And let's grow the total pie. You benefit as the founders of the business. We benefit as uh, partners and investors in this business as well. And let's go take the long-term value creation journey together. And so that's really how we work. And each company is a different, unique model. And what type of company specifically industries, sectors, whatever, are you most interested in working with? Sure. So it starts typically where software and data are core to the business. And so that gives us a really wide range of opportunities to consider. But we love things that are you know heavy software investment and have data as a, a key element to it. My partner and I both have a lot of experience in fintech. And so I would say almost half of our companies have some strong fintech element to them. But then beyond that, we have things that are B2B software companies. And then we have you know, the opposite almost of that spectrum of consumer apps that have a, a really unique value proposition to, to make consumers' lives better in some unique way. And usually there's a strong data component to that that could be machine learning that's happening or personalization or something that uh, is happening as a result of how we deliver that uh, that product to people. But we, we run a, a really wide range. And if you look at our, our sort of family of companies, it, it ranges from, as I said, you know, B2B software that could be getting sold into big enterprise companies to, you know, a, a consumer app that's free and has some secondary business model or monetization that we're getting by, you know, getting a significant consumer user base on it. And geographically, where do you, where, where sure. are your companies? Where are your companies? Uh, vast majority of them are in Southern California. So we, we would say we, we love people that uh, ideally are, are within a, a drive that mm -hmm. we can go see, they can come see us. Um, so the majority of companies are in Southern California. That's our focus. We have um, several in the Bay area. Um, and we now, uh, I think because of COVID, became much more comfortable with founders that weren't here too. And we learned how to build those relationships. And so we now have several companies that are even outside of California. Um, we haven't yet made uh, a, a partnership with an international company outside of the States, but we've met with a number of them and we were very open to it. Uh, we just haven't found that right partner yet. Excellent. So you have deep experience helping personally doing it or helping others to scale early stage companies from your experience are there two or three reasons why i don't want to be negative but mm -hmm. so many fail to launch or scale for sure i, yeah, I think some you know it's, it's sort of a little bit counterintuitive I mean, you definitely have some that fail because they scale too fast and i would mm -hmm. say in this market 
we're seeing right now, uh, I think a lot of evidence of that, and we talked to our founders a lot about that, where in some cases they are able to access capital so fast and a lot of it that they overspend, overinvest because they have it, right? It's like the money's sitting there and it's burning a hole in their pocket. And they, we got to go hire a bunch of people. And <laughs> all of a sudden they're hiring without a clear idea of, do we have a model that works, that's scalable, repeatable? And what are the signals that are telling us that we should be adding these incremental, you know, we're building, scaling our sales team, we're scaling our uh, engineering team. Do we know what they're going to build and why? And do we have even a sense of what the return on that investment is going to be? It, you know, the early evidence that you're onto something can be very alluring that it's just grow at all costs. Let's go. And so that is absolutely one of the things that kills companies. The, the, the other side of it is just continuing down a path. So I would say, you know, somewhat the antithesis of this is um, continuing down a path that all the evidence is telling you other than your sort of initial vision. And I would say largely ego mm -hmm. is saying you shouldn't. And you're just so committed. I've got to do this because this was my idea and that, you know, my ego's wrapped up in this and, you know, invariably where you start is not where you end up. And so being open to really con being concerned more about what do your customers care about? What is the market telling you, almost pulling you toward? And is that the better path to go down? That, that to me is a more likely success path. And so I'm a big believer and talked to a lot of our founders about You've got to be in the stream. You don't want to be just navel gazing, looking over the edge as all this is passing by. You want to be in it, but you want to have your head above water while you're in it and at least seeing where the opportunities may be as you're moving because there could be a, you know, an off ramp or an offshoot that's a way better place to go down, um, but you have to be in it to sort of see that. And so we try to help be that guide at times it's oh there's great evidence here let's keep going at times it's maybe we we pause for a second consider what some other adjustments or pivots might look like and at least try to be a little bit more objective about it and i think that lack of objectivity can sometimes really get in the way of somebody succeeding boy as you explained both of those case studies I, I can see how having an experienced operator such as yourself to help people figure out a false signal from a from the mm -hmm. right choice. You know, when do I pivot versus when do th those kind of are very confusing and probably, as you said, can lead to bad outcomes for companies if they don't make the right decision. So having a trusted person like you with experience, I can see how that's really a benefit for your portfolio of companies to work with operate. You're in a space where I have to imagine, Carrie, there's a lot of willing investors on the sidelines because it sounds like it's future. It's the future. FinTech and the other investment places where you're going, machine learning, these are all terms that are in the zeitgeist. Sure. So I would think helping people to understand how to get and this isn't my area of expertise. So I'm just using words that I understand. Mm -hmm. um, smart money. 
to help them grow their company and make bring yeah. the right people into the business is probably really valuable too. Yeah, I mean, part of part of what I've been doing with this too is to try to be that bridge, Rick, between these really amazing founders. I mean, we have founders in our family that are 21, 22 years old. They're amazing. And what they understand and you know, and my job I need to understand enough about what they're doing that I can uh, really help be a, a, a somewhat of an a, you know a guide or or another uh, lens on what they're understanding and learning. But how they understand, for example, Gen Z, they understand it at a level I don't because they're it, and right. that that we find to be really valuable. But be that bridge between people out there really creating the future. And a lot of people that are interested and curious about it, but they don't really know how to invest in that. And so what we've said is, hey, come join us. You can come join us. You can invest in our fund. You can come join us and invest in some of the companies alongside of us. We have uh, mechanisms, we, you know, SPV type vehicles where they can invest. And what you get is not, hey, Carrie and team are just picking these and we hope we picked right. It's like we're, we're getting to know and bringing these people into it's it literally is a family and then we're living with them. And so you get the benefit. If you believe that that's a positive thing to having them under roof and living with us much more closely, that that's helping shepherd these investments as well. And obviously we believe that we're able to create a lot of additional alpha or investment value through doing that or else we wouldn't be doing it. But that's an opportunity for at least some investors to say, Okay, I feel like they're they're a bridge between how I think about wanting to have a little more involvement control and where the future is going. Because yes, we're very much on the front edge of a lot of new things that are happening. So we're talking with Carrie Ransom here on the Business Talk Show, and you know it's it's interesting to me because I would think the uh, the entrepreneurs that see value in working with you are the kind of people that are open to others' opinions and advice and are willing to listen to peers. I'm in the peer learning industry. That's mm -hmm. that's how I make a living. That's what I believe in the power of peer learning. I'm wondering over the arc of your career, how have you gotten access beyond your direct experience to help you grow into the roles that you now have? Sure. Yeah, I I mean I I am active advice seeker. Right? I think what what I probably am willing to do that not as many people are Rick is I ask for help. I, I solicit input, opinions, ideas all the time. I sort of challenge myself to say, okay, here's what I think, but maybe I need to go find somebody else to validate or invalidate what I think. And either which way, if they validate it, okay, that could be helpful. But if they invalidate it, I'm learning something. And I'm really driven by learning personally. And so part of what we try to bring to our founders is we say, look, we're, we're not saying we ever have to be right. That's not how we show up. We show up with a goal of, by working together, believing we're going to more quickly and consistently get to the best answer, the right answer, more often. And if you don't believe that, we're probably not a good partner. If you believe you always have to be right, you always have the best answer, we'll cheer for you, but we're probably not the right partner. Because we'll challenge you. At times, we'll challenge you just to make sure you've done the work to back up your point of view, or we'll challenge you just to, to make sure we're all considering the, the sides of this decision. And I, I feel like 
the, to your point, the people who we probably work best with, they they are a little bit lower ego. They're open and passionate about growth and learning, and they think they're gonna. It's you know, iron sharpens iron sort of scenario where we're going to get we're getting better every day. I I am so grateful that these founders welcome us into their worlds because they're brilliant, and I'm getting sharper and smarter every day, and I'm able to bring that to others in our ecosystem. And I think that that has been for me a lifelong journey and, you know, always trying to figure out how can I be uh, the dumbest guy in the room? And usually I am. So that's, I just have to, um, you know, convince them to let me stay. Uh, you're too modest. You know, you've been involved in the tech space industry for quite some time. I'm wondering specifically for Orange County, what are your current observations for the state of the technology industry here? There, there's some, you know, I would say there's some interesting green shoots. So, you know, if you want to think about it that way, of, of you know, we're, we're obviously seeing a lot of activity in areas like electric vehicle um, chips have started to make a comeback here. Some, you know, semiconductor chips. Um, we're we're doing great in areas like medical device and some healthcare areas that we've had a, a stronghold here for a long time. What we haven't had here, you know, in in really the last twenty years, we haven't had that consumer internet brand name type mm. uh, breakout here, right? I mean, LA lacked that for a long time, and then Snap really kind of put LA uh, in the global map of oh, this is a really important company that's building in LA or a Hulu or you know some of these that have emerged there. We haven't had that. And so our opportunities are a little bit more and have been a little bit more around the edges. But, you know, I was telling a group of students at UC Irvine last night, we have everything we need here. We've had a connectivity problem. We have a little bit of a culture problem uh, in that we don't feel youthful. We feel a little bit last generation. We're still a little bit too provincial. We're not as welcoming uh, to outsiders as we need to be, to be that kind of innovation ecosystem. You know, LA was a little bit that way 20 years ago, even somewhat 10. And over the last five years, there have been so many people move in that they just said, get out of the way. We're, we're here to, to break stuff and build stuff. And it's happened, right? And San Diego's really figured it out. So we're mm -hmm. sitting in between two hubs that are really on fire right now. And we will, we'll find it. And we have everything, the pieces here, we need to drive a youth movement. Um, so much of this gets driven by younger, innovative right. people. We, you know, we're looked at by too many people still as this suburban area. And uh, we have some great entrepreneurs. We have people that have built multiple companies that are, are based here. We need to pull more of them out, get them more engaged, support the younger folks. So these brilliant kids coming out of places like UCI and Chapman feel like I can start it here. I can build it here. I've got support here. That's that's really the last piece that we still need to add. Are you working in that area? I am. I'm super involved. I mean, if you, I think um, anybody that's willing to say the word startup around here, probably I know or they know me okay. because I'm trying to figure out how do I help. Yeah, we're we're we put our money and our time where our mouth is. We're, we're willing to be the first check into startups if that's mm -hmm. what's required. We're certainly trying to inspire others to do that or join us on those journeys. So absolutely, that's how I spend pretty much all day, every day. Okay, we only have a few minutes left, but I don't want to not talk about tomorrow. So mm -hmm. what's your vision for the future? 
of operate. Yeah, so we're going to continue to do what we're doing. We we have some great companies underway. Uh, you know, this this should be uh, the the rest of my career, mm-hmm. and the goal here is to just help these companies do great things, reinvest the winnings, and keep doing more, and continue to stay relevant on what the the next sets of things are. And so we'll continue to navigate our way as we see opportunities and founders in the market that we can support. And then the other thing that we're now getting to a place of after we've been doing this for a little while is my partner is, is ready to go start another company. And so we're gonna incubate a couple companies from within Operate, and we'll use that as a way to maybe attract in other talent. Maybe we can pull people out of Google and Amazon and places like that here and show them, hey, you can come start a company here. We'll provide you a lot of the infrastructure to go do that. And so I just want to continue to make it easier and more attractive to start companies here. And that's that's really the the goal and the vision. And, and any ways that we can do that are things that we're going to take a really serious look at, at putting in place. So if someone would like to connect with you on LinkedIn or learn more about Operate, what do you what do you want them to do? Sure. Yeah. Find me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm as easy to find as I can be. Uh, I think my phone number is on my LinkedIn. So that, you know, it's, it's, uh, we're on there and, you know, you can certainly go to operatestudio.com and, and find us there as well. Well, I appreciate you coming back on the program. Um, it's an honor to kind of get an update from what you're doing. And, and, and I, and I appreciate as a resident of Orange County, that all you're doing to make us the vibrant hub that we have the potential to be. So thank you very much. Thanks, Rick. Great to be here and uh, always great to, to see you. Thank you. And I'd like to thank Gottlieb, Brackman, and Reisman, who proudly supports this edition of Critical Mass Business Talk Show. GRRPC provides legal advice and guidance on all aspects of intellectual property law, including patents, trademarks, and more. If you'd like to learn more, go to their website, grr.com. Thanks for being a part of the business talk show. This is Orange County's longest running business talk show. This is episode number 1,314, Carrie. So thank you for doing that. And if you'd like to, and we're not connected on LinkedIn, Rick Franzi, R-I-C, Franzi, or visit my soon-to-be-launched new website, rickfranzi.com. Thank you, and I hope you've enjoyed our interview today. 